Hey, pelvic posse, and welcome to the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. It's Amanda and Morgan. We have helped thousands of people with pelvic floor issues, and it's totally our jam. Here you can listen to expert interviews encompassing all things related to pelvic health. That is pee, poop, sex, and everything in between. You have a pelvic floor. Yes, you. We all do. And it's time to start talking about issues that may arise, but more importantly, how to improve them. We are so glad you are here to join us. Now let's head into this week's episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. Welcome back, Pelvic Posse, to another episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. This is Amanda from Empower Your Pelvis. Today's episode is brought to you by our Body After Birth program. It is a 12-week video series on uh, retraining your tissue after you you give birth, whether it's a vaginal birth or a cesarean. So that is this week's episode. And speaking of births, today's episode, we have a fabulous gal by the name of Heidi Mills. She is a doula out here in Kansas City, Missouri, and her business is Block Births. And to get the show started, I'm going to have you go, Heidi, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you get into this field. Yeah. So like Amanda said, I am a doula and I practice in the Kansas city Metro region, all over Kansas city, depending on where my clients are giving birth. Um, I got into this field probably a little bit different than most doulas get into this field. Um, I actually, before I ever had my own kids worked as a newborn nanny. And then I also, um, went through kind of a high risk pregnancy with the family that I was working at. Um, and it just made me realize how much of a like, gaps were in maternity care and prenatal care. Um, kind of that lack of, um, like comfort and friendship and things like that, that like the medical community is not really meant to give you, but that people need, especially when going through high-risk pregnancies and stuff like that. Um, so during that time, I started working as um, a client advocate on a volunteer basis for low-income women who were going through pregnancy, just because it made me think if, you know, my nanny clients who have a lot of money to access these types of resources, you know, don't have this type of support, how much more so do people who are lower income and don't have, have less access to resources, have that kind of support. So I did that for about four years. In that time, I went back to um, school. I got my business degree and I also have a minor working in like nonprofit stuff. Um, I thought that I would go into working in a nonprofit with pregnant women or um, young families or postpartum work and things like that. Um, I graduated though, right during the beginning of the pandemic. So May, 2020 is when I graduated (laughs) with a one-year-old. I had a baby in there sometime too. Um, And so I really didn't want to go back to work in like a traditional setting, like a nine to five with it's being the start of the pandemic. And I didn't know if I felt comfortable sending my one-year-old to daycare and everything. So um, I started just to think about what I was going to do next. Um, and I didn't really resonate a lot with um, a lot of doulas that I like knew on Instagram or, you know, social media and what I had known about doulas. But I was, I was doing more research about ways that you can like fill the gaps of prenatal care. I realized that doulas were a very scientifically backed way to better maternal and fetal health outcomes. So I kind of got my doula certification with the viewpoint of, you know, you can be a doula in all different ways. It didn't have to be the way that I viewed being a doula as kind of, you know, just 
this, you know, super home birth, super like crunchy mom kind of thing, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't like my vibe and what I wanted to go into. So I got my dual certification and then I kind of just started my own business from there. So I've been in business for about a year now. That's amazing. Um, listening to you tell that story, I'm thinking like, I, like, I know how old you are, but it mm-hmm. makes me think that you are like, you know, in your mid thirties with all you've accomplished. <laughs> I hope so I don't far. look that old. You don't look that old. <laughs> Not at all. But just like listening to you, like you've accomplished a lot in such a t- short time span. Well, thank um, you. With that, because I know a lot of our population, you know, they've either had babies mm-hmm. or in the midst of having babies or trying to start a family. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners, you know, what does a doula do? And I, you just informed me that that is your name on TikTok. I don't know why yeah. I that. I'm like, this is such a great question. What does a doula do? Yeah, it's not my Instagram handle. So check out the show notes page if you want to follow me on Instagram. But if you do want to follow me on TikTok, it's what a doula do, just one word. So And she's cause... hysterical on both ends, but TikTok is like blowing up for her. T- so please TikTok, I'm just a little bit more like free maybe with my <laughs> with my content. So maybe I'm a little bit funnier on there, but Instagram is great too. Follow me on either. Um, but yeah, so that is why I started. That's why I made my handle on TikTok. What a doula do. Cause I found so many people actually didn't know outside of the, and if, if you're familiar with, you know, the crunchy mom community or the different, you know, words that are associated with mothers nowadays, outside of that community, a lot of people didn't really know what doulas had to offer. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so a doula is somebody, we do not provide any sort of medical support during the pregnancy. We provide emotional and physical and educational support during your pregnancy. So we work with you during your pregnancy um, on like educational materials. So so like childbirth education, teaching you different ways to support your pregnancy, to support your baby and to prepare for childbirth. And then we also attend your birth um, from whenever you call us until a few hours postpartum. And during that time, we provide, you know, emotional support to you and your partner and also just provide physical support on different um, comfort measures, positioning, things like that. Also just help you learn different communication tactics you can use with your medical care providers to just get the most out of your care. And also we can just be that person that sometimes you ask the quote unquote stupid questions to that you might not feel comfortable saying to your like OB because they might intimidate you or something, but kind of like we can help explain what is happening during your birth and during your pregnancy. So if your OB or midwife comes in and says something and you just don't really understand what they're asking or what the procedure is, we're kind of that middleman to kind of explain that um, in a little bit more of layman's terms. And are you more prenatal doula versus, because I've heard of postpartum doulas as well. Yeah. So I am not a postpartum doula. Um, Yeah. I only work prenatally and um, during birth, there are postpartum doulas. So as a doula, I do stay with you for the first like hour to postpartum. And if you're planning on breastfeeding, help you get that first like latch in and stuff. We do have some just like initial training on that um, initial breastfeeding and bottle feeding front too, to just help you get that first feeding in, help you get skin to skin with babies, start that bonding process. And then we also follow up with you usually on a postpartum visit where we can kind of recap your whole birth experience. So you can kind of just talk through everything that happened and answer. I can answer any questions you had about what happened. And then also we're a great place 
just go for resources postpartum. So even though I don't have post, I mean, I don't hands-on support you during postpartum, you know, I know great pelvic floor physical therapists <laughs> that I can refer to nice and plug. lactation consultants <laughs> and um, perinatal therapists and all of those types of people that you can tell me even like what insurance you have and stuff. And I know like which providers in your area you can be matched up with. Something that caught my attention with you re-go through the story of the birth with the parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that is huge because we have, I mean, especially this last like 2020 has been a hell of a year for a lot of our patients. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're coming in with the traumatic birth stories of everything Mm -hmm. that's happened of maybe their babies being pulled from them and taken to the NICU Mm -hmm. too soon. Them not having skin to skin for a couple of days because they tested positive. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe just like, they're like, what the F just happened Uh down there. And I apparently tore and I shit myself while, you know, (laughs) delivering this baby Uh and to be able to talk with somebody who could reframe that into more of a positive mindset, I think Mm -hmm. is huge. Not only mentally, but then as your pelvic floor heals, guys, your pelvic floor holds a lot of emotions down there. Mm-hmm. So if we had a traumatic birth mm-hmm. and we keep reliving that over and over and so over true. down there, we're going to hold more pelvic floor tension, whether that turns into tailbone pain, pelvic cramping, pain with intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, it can really be, I don't want to say detrimental, but that's the word that's in my head right now. It could, you know, have a negative effect on our pelvic floor healing after birth. Mm-hmm. So having the support that Heidi provides during that time, I think is so beneficial. You may not remember too much after the event. (laughs) So it's really great to have her there for support to reframe it in that positive mindset. Yeah. And also, like I said, like I'm somebody who's going to be there for the entirety of the birth process. So, and I have a little bit more of a, um, of a like outside view of what's happening during the birth where like you and your partner, this might be the first time you're experiencing something like this. It might be the second or third time, but you've experienced it a lot less than I have experienced it. And you're also a very heavily emotionally involved in the process of what hap- what is happening. And you're physically involved in the process of what is happening. So it's very difficult sometimes to remember all of the details. Like you might have had, you know, a shoulder dystocia and you just remember a bunch of nurses on top of you and your baby being pulled out of you. And you don't remember anything else. You don't, you didn't realize what was happening or why it was happening. I've had that happen with clients. And, you know, an hour later, I'm like, yeah, that was crazy. That shoulder dystocia. And they're like, what do you mean? that the baby had a shoulder dystocia, like they didn't even realize what was happening. They just um, thought that that was normal during the end of delivery or something like that. So being able to have somebody who's a little less emotionally and physically involved in the process, because, you know, you might think, oh, my partner's there, but your partner is Yeah, they're just as emotionally and physically involved (laughs) in the process and shocked by the experience if it's their first time or even their second time going through it. That is good to have some someone outside who can kind of give you a little bit more perspective on what happened during the birth experience. Um, just curious. Mm -hmm. So like for myself, we had planned for a natural birth Uh and then it ended up in a cesarean. Mm -hmm. Does that tend to happen for you guys, like with the whole doula process too? Like Yeah. So I have actually, I've been in practice for a year. I haven't yet had a client who has turned into a cesarean delivery, but I I know doulas who that has happened to. And I'm sure it'll happen to me sometime in my, in my process. You are, um, and we can go through statistics later if you want me to, but you are less likely to have a cesarean birth, you know, if you have a doula, but obviously, you know, things still, things still happen and C-sections are not entirely avoidable just because you're prepared or you have the best OB or you have the best midwife as Amanda, I'm sure knows. 
those or yeah. you have the support, C-section sometimes happen, you know, regardless of how prepared we are. And um, something I do is I prepare my clients for the possibility of a C-section Which during the prenatal course. Cause I find that, um, you know, many people who, who are hiring me are planning on either a medicated or unmedicated vaginal delivery, obviously, um, especially many first time parents. And, you know, when I tell them one in three births in America and in a cesarean delivery, they're shocked and they're like, what that could, that could happen to me. You know, like they don't, we all think we're invincible. Our vaginas are invincible and they're going to have these babies, but that's what, you know, we're, our bodies are known to do, but yeah, Yeah. the cesareans happen. And I mean, you are, I think saving so many women's emotional, maybe trauma with it flipping yeah. from a vaginal to a cesarean because you are prepping them for that. Yeah. So that is why I focus on preparation. Like when we're writing the birth plan, we write a cesarean birth plan also Beautiful. mainly because, you know, um, statistically 45% of women in America experience birth trauma in any of their births. So that's, a that's it. Percentage. It is a huge percentage would categorize some section of their birth as traumatic. So, you know, if you Jeez, look at that, um, everything that we know about birth trauma is usually that it stems from feeling out of control during the birth experience. So it's not necessarily what actually happened during the birth. Like if your delivery ended in a C-section, if it ended in a vacuum extraction, if it ended in, you know, whatever outcome, it usually is because you felt out of control of the situation. So I like to talk through C-section preferences with my clients and also just what a C-section would look like and like what it entails and like, are your arms going to be strapped down? Are they not going to be strapped down? Like all those different things that people just don't even think about because they don't want to like focus on having a cesarean delivery during their, during their pregnancy, because they don't want to really like go there or think about it. That hopefully if you do end up having a cesarean delivery, you have a little bit of a picture in your mind of what is going to happen. And you also know what choices you have during your cesarean delivery, like what choices of skin to skin in the OR or a clear drape or having the drape lowered, like all of those different preferences that can maybe give you a little bit of a semblance of control in what might seem like an out of control situation. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was huge. Our first one, my first delivery was a Mm C-section and, um, kind of unplanned. It happened. I call it emergency because I went in like, Hey, I think my water broke. No, mm-hmm. it didn't. No, it didn't. We had an ultrasound. Oh yeah. Gosh, you have nothing in there. We need to get this baby out. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be at work. I left a patient on the bike, told him I'd be right back. So <laughs> oh my goodness. I call it an emergency. <laughs> um, probably doesn't clarify as or justify as one, but with that, I remember being in there like panicking because I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't prepare myself for Mm -hmm. the drape situation and the masking. Like we don't have any clear drapes. Do you want it pulled down? I'm like, what the heck? Oh, there's my arms. There's the epidural. Like I can move my legs. Mm -hmm. No, you can't like so many things that happened with that one. And then realizing, okay, each one, I think the last one we were finally like, okay, this one is going to be a C-section because Mm -hmm. my first two had been, and that one was so much better because we did, we had planned it out. Like, do you want music? Do you Mm -hmm. want this? Um, we decided not to do what was going to happen. Yes. Um, and knowing that you can't move your body for 24 Mm -hmm. hours, like that doesn't go through your head. Mm -hmm. How are you going to, you know, react to the medication? So yeah, this is huge. I think for so many women, even if they know they're going to have a second one to just be able to plan that out with Mm -hmm. someone is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Prenatal patients. Mm -hmm. Those are the type of clients that you are mostly working with. Mm -hmm. Do you work with anybody else who would like 
does anybody ever call you out of the blue? Like we're thinking of having a baby. Is there anything that we can work on before we actually get pregnant? Um, no, that's not my specialty. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I do. And usually it's just, you know, get yourself as healthy as can be go into your pregnancy as healthy as can be because, you know, pregnancy kicks your butt. So We all know that try to get there. And even, and I also sometimes talk about on my Instagram, especially learning about birth before you give birth. So, or before you're even pregnant, because when you're pregnant, you have a very limited amount of time to learn about birth and pregnancy. Even though 40 weeks seems like an eternity at the time. Not when you're throwing up for 12 weeks of it. It's it's not a long period of time. Um, So yeah. So learning about birth and your body and pregnancy, because you're learning, you don't want to start learning about pregnancy when you're pregnant. You don't want to, you know, you're prepping for birth at that point. You're prepping for postpartum partum, all those things. And also the biggest thing to me is in learning about that, learning about what your birth preferences are, what type of birth you're thinking you're going to be wanting and starting to see an OB or a midwife for well woman's care before you ever get pregnant or start trying to get pregnant that you think would line up with your birth values. Cause I see very often people just going into, especially their first pregnancy, just seeing whatever OB they Googled when they moved to their new city after college and started seeing, and, you know, maybe that OB is going to line up with your birth preferences and is going to be a great fitter is going to deliver at a hospital that you feel comfortable delivering at. But a lot of times they're not that perfect fit for you. And so starting to see, to learn about kind of what, what type of birth options are available, where you live, asking around. I am always happy. I tell people who live in the Kansas city area to like, if you text me or DM me or email me and be like, Hey, can I like Venmo you $5 and me tell you like what kind of, um, you know, birth experience I want. And like, you tell me which like care providers in the area can help give me those birth experiences. Like ask doulas in your community, you know, those questions, because we see birth with all different providers and all different facilities and are really able to pinpoint who might be a good fit for you. Because there's such a range of how different OBs and different midwives practice mm-hmm. in the area and how different hospital policies um, at different hospitals in the city that you may live in treat birth and um, postpartum that it's really important to find one, you know, there's going to be a correct fit for you. Hopefully, unless you're living in a really rural area, then your options are usually pretty low, but hopefully there'll be a good fit for you and start reaching out and thinking about that before you're pregnant. Because once you're pregnant, it seems, it feels very, very, very overwhelming to try to switch care. When you are actively growing a pregnancy, you feel like you're going to miss appointments. You might miss out on checks. You know, things have to, files have to get transferred. Did that blood work get transferred? You know, like all those things that you feel like you're having gaps in your care that you don't want. And you can interview, you Uh know, your providers. I did that until my second one. And Mm -hmm. I interviewed a provider, decided I was switching from an OB guy into a midwife with our second baby. Cause I mm-hmm. wanted to be back, but I was floored when I was like, you can actually go interview them. This yeah. Is incredible. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So see if your personalities, you know, mm-hmm. mesh up too. Mm-hmm. I would look at like Heidi had said like the hospital, like what do they mm-hmm. 
let you do or yeah. does it fit with what your birth plan is? And what options the, do they the have? Do they have tubs? Do they have big showers? Like all those types of things that you might just envision yourself utilizing during a birth experience that not every hospital has to offer, but a lot do. And so looking at those things, you know, if nitrous oxide is offered or if the epidural is the only pain relief option, things like that, that you might want, that you might not even know about until you're about ready to give birth. And then it seems impossible to switch hospitals and providers yeah. at that point. <laughs> What are the statistics on using a doula versus not using a doula? Cause you had mentioned that with mm -hmm. like C-sections, C yeah. um, but maybe even vaginal births and tearing or mm -hmm. what is really out there. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's a few studies. There's two that I usually reference the most cause they're like the larger sample sizes and kind of the more, you know, I don't know, educational ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm a numbers person. So I wrote down some numbers. So sorry if I'm looking at my notes so I could pull it off the top of my head and be correct. But I also have a blog post on my website if you want to check it out about these studies and the statistics behind it. But so there was a um, study done by the National Center for Biotechnology Information. And what it did is it randomly assigned low-income women who are more susceptible to adverse birth outcomes with doula support, um, birth doula support. And they found that the women who had doula support were four times less likely to have a low birth weight baby. And they were two times less likely to experience any birth complication related to them or to their baby. And they were also significantly more likely to breastfeed. Um, and then they also found during that study, which I find interesting, because I find that this is a common mis misconception, especially around first time parents, which interesting fact, I actually work more with second and third time parents, which I think people are shocked by because they think first time parents don't really know what they're doing. So they're going to hire a doula to like help guide them. Or they're like, I'm invincible. I know what the hell That's I'm doing. That's what I find <laughs> is more so the yeah. attitude that, that then we like, that was terrible. We need someone yeah. to be in here to like even calm the storm between the partners. Yeah. Yeah. So once, you know, I find, and I tell that to first time parents all the time, is like, if second and third time parents feel like they need to be hiring a doula, then like, it's because they had a bad birth experience that led them there. So like, let's not have the bad birth experience yeah. that leads you to like wanting to hire me. Second, you can hire me your second and third time birth too, but like, let's have a good birth experience right away. Um, yeah. So what I think is a common misconception is that, um, labor and delivery nurses are going to be like physically supporting you through a lot of your delivery. And so something that was interesting about that, um, um, NCBI study was that they found that labor nurses only provided six to 10% of the time were involved in any sort of direct labor support activities mm. um, during the birth process, which I think a lot of people think that that is their job and that is not their job. That's usually like an extra thing that they, you know, do is like provide hands-on labor support, but I you know, um, you know, their job is to, it's not that it's, it's not that they're doing anything wrong by not providing labor support. It's that their job is to make sure that you and the baby are medically safe and that everything is going well and to check fetal heart tones and to check contractions and to check your blood pressure and to check your pulse ox and to chart all of that and to communicate with the doctor and to tell them what's going on so that they can come in if there's an and emergency. They probably have more than one patient. Usually, usually in labor and delivery, they're one-on-one, -on -one, oh, okay. but not at every too. hospital. It okay. depends. I mean, I work in a city, so it's more likely to be one-on-one because -on -one it's busier well, hospitals. Yeah. But and not, not in postpartum though. In postpartum, they have multiple patients. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In labor and delivery, usually it's one-on-one, -on -one, but yeah, not at every hospital. That could be a good question. You can ask your providers too, I is should. if your labor nurses are one-on-one -on -one support or not, but they can also get called to like, if there's emergencies in other rooms, they could get called to that first 
say like 45 minutes or not, you know what I mean? Of their time or whatever, yeah. like while they're also supporting you um, when they need extra nurses in a room. So yeah, that's something that I find that a lot of people don't know their first time. And then sometimes their second time, they're like, oh, I kind of expected like the nurse to be doing counter pressure on my back, like the whole time during my labor and delivery experience. But like, that's not what they're there for. They're there for very important reasons that aren't to provide that like 24 seven hands-on support to you as you know, a, when you're laboring. Um, so that kind of brings me into my second, um, kind of data point that I want to reach. So there was another study done by the Cochrane Review. And this one was really interesting because they looked at um, what improved birth outcomes the most. And they found that continuous 24-7 support was what improved um, labor outcomes the most. And so then they broke that down into looking at if a labor and delivery nurse was um was providing the 24-7 hands-on support, if your partner was providing the 24-7 hands-on support, or if a birth duo was providing the 24-7 hands-on support, what did that, how did that improve birth outcomes depending on who was providing the hands-on support? And so um, they found that dual supported births actually had the best birth outcomes and they had a 39% decrease in C-section rates if it was a dual supported delivery. And then they had a 15% increase in spontaneous vaginal deliveries, which means that there was no no vacuum or forceps used, which prevents, which I know Amanda would be that happy is. with, but it's less likely to prevent, um, you less know, tearing and severe pelvic floor dysfunction after. Um, and so that's kind of another way that we can, that we can help, you know, with positioning tactics and other tactics, hopefully prevent, um, you know, those emergency deliveries that happen. Um, with out here in Kansas city and us mm-hmm. kind of being, so we're, we're filming this, uh, gosh, I just lost the date, October, 2021. So COVID hit 2020, are more hospitals being more open to allowing doulas back in for so pretty much, yeah. you know, immediately when the pandemic hit, they restricted dual access by the time really, I, like, anybody who could come anybody in. really. Yeah. Only really partners were allowed in and only usually like after triage, like once you were in established labor and things like that. So I was not working as a doula during that time. I was still in school. If you can follow my timeline at all and was yeah. then getting my certification. So by the time I got my certification and started working in fall of 2020, there had already been many lawsuits filed and things happened that allowed doulas back into the labor room and named them as, you know, um, critical care for pregnancy and birth and were, you know, an important piece of the maternal care puzzle. Uh, So pretty much every single hospital in the Kansas City area has allowed doulas since then. So even if, so even if your hospital is saying only one support person during your labor, that almost always excludes doulas. I've heard very, very rarely of hospitals um, just through social media and stuff, I've heard of doulas who are working during like huge COVID surges and maybe, you know, in the area that they're working in have been somewhat excluded for like a few weeks here or there, but pretty much every single hospital is allowing doulas. And I find that most people just see the one support person thing and they don't ask questions, but you can call, you know, your OB is actually not a great person to ask because they're not super like hip with the hospital, like it's hospital policy. But, um, I have done it for many clients of just calling the L and D floor, the receptionist and saying, Hey, our doula is allowed on top of the one support person. And it's always just like a, yes, make sure, but make sure, um, you don't technically have to have like a certain certification to be a doula, but a lot of the hospitals are, um, only allowing certified doulas. So doulas who have a official certification. So make sure that you ask if there's any requirements around the doula care and then 
make sure that you hire a doula who meets, who meets those certifications so that they will be allowed into your labor and delivery. This is awesome. I mean, that's a wealth of information right there, which is, I would have What do you wish every pregnant mom knew? Like if you could have hmm. the perfect story for a client of what, like to set themselves up for success, what would you, what would you be your biggest advice? Yeah. So prep preparation for birth. Um, so I think, um, which is you know, kind of what we say about the pelvic yeah. floor during pregnancy <laughs> too. prep yourself for that marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So know that birth in and of itself is not an inherently medical event. It is not inherently like a medical emergency to give birth. You know, it's a biological process that our body goes, goes through. And I think just, especially in the United States, we don't have any sort of like community birth or like community-based birth experiences where in other countries, you might, you know, you might see multiple people give birth before you give birth. Most people, when they give birth, it's their first experience with, with the birthing process. So, um, understanding the actual biological process of birth and not just the emergency screaming woman that we see on TV shows, which is usually our like only exposure to birth before giving not birth like ourselves, Hollywood. you know, <laughs> so that is really important. Um, and that can look like exposing yourself like to that could be, you know, obviously childbirth education classes, um, hiring a doula, um, watching, um, YouTube videos, but look up positive, positive birth vlogs, or, um, mm. you know, there's different like podcasts that tell birth stories and things like that. But exposing yourself to what is the norm when it comes to the biological process of birth, because I find that especially on social media, you see, you know, the influencers and things that get like the most attention around their birth stories are the super traumatic, rare birth stories are like what you see blow up on TikTok or blow up on Instagram. And so that frames in your brain of like this medical event that birth is where, you know, more often than not birth goes in, in a biological process, especially, you know, when, when it's a normal, healthy pregnancy and things like that. And so learning about that biological process is very important. Additionally, knowing that since it's not necessarily inherently a medical event that you have lots of choices and lots of options when it comes to giving birth, you know, obviously like within a medical emergency, some, some, but not all of those options might be, might be stripped because of the, because of the medical emergency event, but in a normal physiological labor and birth experience, no matter if you have an epidural or you don't have an epidural, there is usually a lot of choice. And if you have a C-section or not, like you're just talking about, you have have a lot of choices and there's going to be, you know, a lot of people make the mistake of going in and saying, oh, well, the nurses and the doctors do this every single day. So I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to do. And like, and they have a, like a, a hospital policy process that they kind of like follow, but there is plenty of variations from that, you know, checklist that they kind of go through in somebody who doesn't have birth preferences, there's plenty of variations that are more than, more than allowed and are, are they're totally fine with accommodating. And so knowing what all of those options are and what all of those choices are and what all of the things you can ask for is just really important to feeling in control of your experience and also 
just having the experience that you want to have out of your, out of your birth experience, because it is a huge life event and you should have a, a experience that you, that you look back happily on. Yes. <laughs> this is, this has been fantastic, Heidi. Like this makes me want to go have more babies and we're not having any more babies. <laughs> You're done. But if we were like hiring a doula or someone like you would be phenomenal mm-hmm. and just recreate all of, especially with what we, tr- we deal with, with our past clients is like that whole traumatic stuff. I think we mm-hmm. would really help with that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is out, but like help with the postpartum, like anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. I feel like it would make a huge mm-hmm. impact on that as well. Yeah. Um, one question we ask every guest on our podcast, and it's a loaded question, but what is something that you are doing, learning or teaching right now? <laughs> and if you want to answer all three, you can, some people choose one. Okay. So what I'm doing is I'm growing a second baby right now. So <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> I love that. So, um, so I've been kind of, um, I'm due in February. So I'm kind of like teetering down on the births I'm attending. I have two births left before I take a little bit of a maternity leave because I don't really want to be 37 weeks pregnant supporting somebody else 24 for a 24 hour birth. Water breaking. Yeah. Like, (laughs) sorry, I'm out. I don't think I'd be like the best support person. (laughs) So, um, so I'm I'm having a second baby right now, which means I'm putting a little bit more focus on um, social media content and things like that. Just why I'm on my maternity leave, just because I have the time to right now, um, while I'm growing a child. And, um, also while I am kind of on my maternity leave, I decided to, I've done, um, one-on-one prenatal birth coaching with people. I'm like over zoom. So from all over the country, if you want to work with me, that is an option. You can visit my website, but I've decided to disseminate the information into a course where I've had some time to do so. And so I'm launching my first prenatal birth prep course. On, um, it starts November 15th and it runs three days, November 15th, 16th, and 17th. And what it is going to be is just 45 minute Zoom calls where I'm going to teach you about different um, kind of doula, doula tips and tricks around labor and delivery. I'm going to teach you about all of the non-medical comfort measures that you have access to, all of the medical comfort measures like medical pain relief that you have access to, um, C-section preferences, what all that entails, and then also just um, different communication techniques that you can use with your medical care providers to just feel more understood and seen and be able to get answers to the questions that you really need answered um, during that process. We're also going to go through all the stages of labor and I'm going to kind of talk from a dual perspective, what you can do positioning wise and things like that, that can help you through each stage of your labor, whether you are having an unmedicated birth or a medicated birth, there is lots of different positioning tactics and things that you can use to just help make the labor experience go a lot smoother. We're also going to talk a lot about partner support. So how your partner can kind of, so partners should definitely come because I'm going to be talking to them a lot about like what I do and how they can do it. (laughs) Yeah. How they can do it. So, um, so if you're interested in taking that, you can definitely check out my website. Um, it's blockbirths.com slash shop classes. You can go on to, um, look at that and, um, yeah, so I'm going to be focusing on that. And then, like I said, it's going to be 45 minute zoom calls, and then we'll also open it up for Q and a after each zoom call. If you're able to make it live, if you're not able to make it live those dates, we will send out the recording. I was going to ask that. Fantastic. Um, what, I know we talked a lot about prep, so like Mm -hmm. anybody in their pregnancy that would be good for 
Yep. Anybody during the pregnancy process, like I only like the last day and you can check out when you check out my website, I break down what we're going to focus on each day. So only the last day we'll have C-section preferences and things like that. So if you know that you're going to have a C-section delivery, I would very much encourage you if you're wanting to work with me to check out my website and click on write a birth plan and you can work with me. I think it's $40. We sit down for a 30 minute zoom call and I can walk through all of your C-section options and preferences and how what kind of all those choices are and how to talk to your provider about wanting those choices. And we can write down that. But if you're planning, you know, if you're planning a vaginal delivery, definitely check out my course and, um, we will touch on all of those different options. Guys, this is huge. This is something Heidi and I have been talking about for a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really proud of her for number one, getting this put together (laughs) while she's pregnant, but two, that this is out for everyone. Cause we get the questions all the time and, this is a nice little segue into like, you know, go see her. Cause this is what she mm-hmm. specializes in. Um, and again, if you're outside of the Kansas city area, I even being in Kansas city, I would schedule something with her, but also take the class. Cause I think it, yeah. to have the information yeah, it's gonna be open. Is amazing. Yeah. And if you're checking on my website, just know block is spelled B L O C just so you know, and my handle on Instagram too. So B L O C burst for his last shop classes, if you want to check it and out. And we will have that in the show notes, but tell okay, us where option. they can find you on Instagram. Yeah. So at- Instagram is at block births, B-L-O-C-B-I-R-T-H-S. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you want to say before we... No, thank you so much for having me on. And also you should, guys should definitely check out public PT. It has helped me so much after my first delivery. So Amanda is awesome. (laughs) This has been lovely. We appreciate it. And I know we're going to have so many of our followers and listeners that are going to love this one as well. Yeah. Well, thank thank you you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Pelvic Posse, we want to thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. Can we ask you a couple of favors, please? Number one, can you like and subscribe to this podcast so that you will continue to empower your pelvis forever so that you will never miss out? Number two, can you leave us a rating and a review? Tell them how amazing we are and everything that you have learned about your pelvic health. And then number three, if you haven't seen the video version to this podcast, you can go over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash empower your pelvis for all of our visual learners out there. We have all types of great visuals in there for you to not only listen to, but to watch. Thanks so much again. And make sure to give your pelvis some love until next time. Peace Peace out pelvic posse.